Welcome everyone to the Magis Athletic Training Podcast, where we talk to guests from the entire spectrum of athletic training, sports performance, and entrepreneurship in the athletic sports performance space. But before we introduce our next guest, please do us a favor and click on that subscribe button, smash that like button, and hit that share. That is just a small way that you can help support and grow this channel and see more phenomenal guests like the one we have today. Today's guest is a certified strength and conditioning coach with the NSCA and is the owner of NBT Training. Our next guest was previously the director of education at a private training facility and a strength and conditioning coach for Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. Check this out, guys. She played soccer and basketball at the collegiate level while she completed her bachelor's degree in nutrition. Our guest also holds a master's degree in strength and conditioning as well as, yes, she went all the way to the top. She also has a doctoral degree in exercise physiology. She specializes in movement biomechanics, athletic development, and improving fitness while addressing nagging pain or injuries that may be limiting performance. Please join us in welcoming our esteemed guest, Dr. Michelle Boland. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. So for our guests who may not be familiar with, with you, um, please tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Boland. Ah, thanks. So my name is Michelle Boland. I was born in uh, like Western Massachusetts area, and now I reside more close to the Boston area. I went to basically grad school here. I worked in Boston, and now I live a little bit outside of that area. Uh, I run my own company now, and I do a lot of online training work, um, course education in relation to strength and conditioning and personal training. And I also train many people on a week to week basis in person here in the like, greater Boston area. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know, a dog mom, I guess you could say now, <laughs> a wife, daughter, friend, all that stuff. So love the outdoors. That's pretty much my big interest in fitness now is like basically like endurance-based activity. And that's just saying a little about myself. Thank you so very much. So being that we're starting to come out of COVID, not sure if we're going out of COVID or just transitioning into another phase of COVID, you spoke about um, you also do online training. How has COVID had an impact on your approach to online training, especially with a lot of facilities uh, being shuttered during that time period and just you know, having limited access to being able to train individuals in person and how has that impacted um, MBT? Yeah, that's a great question. So we really, as trainers, had to pivot during this time a lot. Um, luckily, I was kind of in the online space already, but I think the biggest thing was training people at home now without equipment. Um, so you have to be a little bit more creative and probably a little bit more circuit-based and finding home equipment that people can use. For example, you know, a chair can serve as, you know, a step-up box 
or a bench type of um, pieces of equipment. Uh, that was probably the biggest thing. I was pretty lucky in the fact that I probably maintained about 75, 80% of my clientele through virtual sessions, um, which was excellent. And then online, yeah, programs really had to switch from commercial gyms. And when I say online programs, I mean, I write a training program on like a four to six week basis. And someone is doing that without me present. Um, it could be across the country. And now people basically needed a lot of changes and modifications in relation to, you know, their fitness programs. And so you really had to kind of say, what can we do to maintain our fitness, especially if someone had a goal towards, you know, hypertrophy, gaining muscle mass or resistance exercise. And that was just, you know, switching to high rep schemes and taping videos with home equipment. Um, and luckily I have a product called um, an exercise database in which I have hundreds, probably think at close to a thousand exercises now that I had pre-recorded and I insert within people's programming. So they can click a link in their program and say, oh, this is how you perform that exercise without me present. And I had to put some time and effort into recording more videos um, in the home environment with just basic at-home equipment. So that's kind of how I pivoted. Um, you know, I'm very grateful and thankful that, you know, I was able to pivot and uh, maintain my clientele and actually probably gain a little bit more online clients as, as COVID kind of um, changed all of our lives for a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, COVID definitely did uh, change. I, I think it really did change the landscape of online training. And um, with that, how were you able to carve out a specific niche for you being that you're more of a, for lack of better words, a um, educated sports performance biomechanist that knows their um, stuff as opposed to a quote unquote fitness influencer. So especially with social media right now, everyone who does a little workout in the gym seems to want to be able to offer some type of online training or some type of um, fitness influencing. So how were you able to differentiate yourself as a educated um, professional and then market that to a target audience that may have seen maybe a, a lesser expensive versions through a fitness influencer. So how were you able to differentiate that? How were you able to navigate that, especially as an entrepreneur? That's a fantastic question. So I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit is, you know, my target audience when it comes to a social media perspective is other trainers. So it's providing educational content, uh, helping them with questions about program programming, uh, biomechanics, um, technique-based type of activities. And so, you know, it, it's very different from what you refer to as maybe an influencer where, you know, people are taking off their clothes and saying, please come work out with me to look like me. Um, that's definitely not my, my route. 
Um, so I really tried to play to my strength, which has really become my niche a little bit in terms of I'm a very conscientious person, very analytical, very systematic. And so I use those strengths to organize information. And I've created a few online courses for other trainers. So one of them is called uh, the strategy course. It's a complete coaching course. So it, it has videos of me coaching novice individuals. It has information about programming, information about communication and coaching. Um, and a little bit of that has to do with, you know, figuring out who you are, the type of person you are, and how to adapt to the people that you're working with. So with that, I really took, took you know, my undergrad education, my grad school education, and then when I got into the field and had some experience under my belt, I figured out kind of like what was missing from that domain and what people or fellow trainers or interns were struggling with. And I created a few of these educational courses to kind of fill those gaps. So that's what I would probably consider my, my niche of just trying to organize all different types of information into something that you know, other trainers can actually implement and put into play on a daily basis. Thank you. Um, I like the way that you really talked on communication because right now, especially within the, the coaching space, there is a huge push in learning how to effectively communicate with our clients. Um, I know that uh, there's a coach, Brett Bartholomew, he's really huge in that space with his uh, program, The Art of Coaching, and there's a few other coaches um, that are really diving into that area. What do you think as a, uh, I, I guess we would call you a coach's coach, you know, since your target audience is the actual uh, training professional. Um, what do you think is the gap between what a coach thinks that he is conveying to their client as opposed to what the actual receiver of that information is receiving and how do we bridge that gap to become um, a more effective communicator to um, our clientele? That's a great question. I think it's kind of a twofold answer of understanding you know, our love for fitness, how easy it is for us to develop these habits and what we do. And even the, the wording that we use, you know, sometimes people can say, oh, do you feel your hamstrings or do you do it slow eccentrically? And like, people will look back at you like, what's a what hamstring? What's eccentric? About? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we just assume that we're speaking the same language as someone else and we're using the same terms, um, but being able to talk in a way that's at the level of understanding of your listener is, is a key communication point. And then also on the other side of that is kind of a lesson in life of being able to take something from the perspective of the other individual. Um, so being able to understand where you're coming from and then put yourself in their shoes and to think where, where are they coming from? What are they capable of? Um, what's their history? 
Um, what are their expectations for what we're about to do and what, what they want from you know, your sessions? And I think that is kind of a life skill that some coaches may miss. And that's, you know, the mismatch of expectations, I think is one of the biggest barriers towards communication. Yeah, I, I do think that as coaches and fitness professionals, there is sometimes a, as you would say, a mismatch of expectations in that we have already established a lifestyle um, of fitness, whether it be dietary, whether it be um working out and training, whether it be just living an active life, when we are dealing with our clientele, sometimes, you know, we may place our own expectations of ourselves on them. And, and we don't necessarily um, empathize with the journey that it takes for them to get to uh, where we are. Um, and with that being said, one of my one of my uh, key things that I, I really try to focus on with my clients is that it's not my client's job to meet me where I am at. It is my job to meet my client where they are in their fitness journey, whether that be at point A or point Z or anywhere in between. My job as a fitness professional and educated individual um, in this particular relationship is to meet them where they are at and then map out a roadmap to get them to where they are. And not only just do it um, from a, uh, a positional leadership position, but to actually do it um, as a collaborative effort. Because I, you know, when you have that collaborative effort, then the client also feels that their input is valued and that you're not just dictating to them what's going on and they have a better understanding of everything that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And that requires humility, being able to ask for input and feedback. Um, and that's an important quality as well to have. Um, what's your opinion about maybe possibly trainers being influenced by other trainers? You know, when you're in a facility doing personal training, a lot of other trainers working with their clients. Do you think that has any sort of impact? Because we're all at the end of the day, you know, worried in some ways about being judged and whatnot. And uh, I think a lot of trainers, in my opinion, you know, worry about what other trainers think of them instead of really just focusing on the person in front of them and, and doing the best job that they can do with, with that individual. Um, I will say thank you very much for that question. You are the very first guest to ever ask me a question. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, with, that, with that being said, I would say that um, be authentic to you. Have a foundation and a system that is unique to you. This, this, is, this, is, this is the foundation. These are the principles in which I base my training upon. Um, and I'm going to stick to those principles, regardless of what anyone else is doing around me, because number one, I want to be able to effectively implement, assess, implement again, and reassess whatever it is that I'm doing. I don't, I don't want to be doing a particular exercise or assessment that I'm kind of wary on, unsure mm -hmm. about because then I'm shortchanging the experience for my client. 
Um, so I'd rather do, even if it's just, hey, we're going to do a push, pull, hinge, squat, carry. Even if it's just the basics of that, I want to do that at a thousand percent because if I'm if I'm not able to do that effectively, then I'm shortchanging my client. Two, we're always being judged when you're on that training floor. Whether you're being trained, whether you're being judged by either another trainer that's you know walking by. Many of us train in facilities, you know, whether it be a box gym or another training facility or a private training facility. Other trainers are watching us. Um, other leadership is watching us. So um, you're always what I would call on display. Yes. And when you're and when you're on display, you know your job is to to, to rise and shine to that moment. You know um, how how I train my first client and how I tra train my fiftieth client of the day. There should be no drop off in my enthusiasm. There should be no drop off in my communication, there should be no drop off in my energy. So I want to bring it every single time because one of the things that I always tell my clients is that once you walk in those doors, I need a thousand percent. If I need a thousand percent, once you walk in those doors and I need to leave everything else that happened before the day outside those doors for the next hour, 45 minutes, whatever that time period may be, I can't ask of them what I'm not willing to give myself. So even if I'm having a bad day or something's going on in my life, I have to bring a thousand percent because I've, I've raised that bar of expectation for my client and my client is gonna say, hey, I thought you wanted me to do this, but you're not doing it yourself. And lastly, I will say in regards to training methodologies and exercises, um, I was sharing with my with one of my previous clients, uh, Ray Zingler of Zingler Strength and Conditioning. There is no new exercise, to be quite honest, right? You know, every exercise or modality is a reinvention of one that was already there. Yep. So, um, as as trainers, sometimes we can feel that quote unquote competitive edge. They're going to steal my client, or you know, their client is watching and may come to me or, you know, um, let me steal an exercise. And my thing is you can have my exercise. I freely give you any exercise that I have because my client isn't buying an exercise. They're buying an experience. And that experience is going to be completely different with me than it is with you, even though we are implementing the very same exercise. Mm -hmm. And with that also being said, we may be imp implementing something that quote unquote looks cool, you know, for social media or whatever. Um, but one of my things is that what's the point of me implementing an exercise if I can't assess the impact of that exercise and I can't measure what impact it has had in my in my clients' goals. So um, it's not just about, hey, let me give you an exercise. It's let me prescribe an exercise that is going to get you closer to your goal. And once we complete it, we're going to assess, see the impact, implement something else or complete or continue to implement that in some in some shape, form or fashion, 
and reassess again. So um, in regards to other trainers, I'm more than welcome to have as many trainers watch, take whatever you want. And two, um, what I'll say is this, your client is your client because they're buying an experience. They're not buying into training. They're not mm -hmm. buying into an exercise. They're buying into you. They're buying into a relationship. And that relationship is a relationship that they can't find anywhere else. You know, um, so I hope I've answered your question. No, that, that, that was great for sure. Like, I think people are just easily influenced by differences between colleagues, but I think that's what's great about, you know, any role, especially in the fitness industry, is that we can do two completely different things or have two completely methodologies or follow different systems and we can get the same result. So I think Absolutely. as long as your results based, you know, there's many, we have to understand there's many ways to be able to do that. So, you know, as long as you're taking care of the individual in front of you, I think, you know, don't be so influenced by other people around you. And, and I agree. And, but I will also say this, because you, you brought up something very important of uh, being influenced by the people around you. And you said, you shouldn't be so influenced by the people around you, which now puts the importance of the training on you and takes the focus off of your client. Yes. And that, and the client is the person whom the focus should always stay on. It should never ever be about me, the coach. Um, so I, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and, and I also think in my like phrase I use there, I was probably referring in the negative aspect of just, you know, feeling not worthy or maybe having imposter syndrome of like, you know, not having confidence in what you do, but also you can be influenced by the people that you work with and colleagues in a very positive manner, especially if you have a mentor that you're learning from, or even just seeing new ways and ideas to do things. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you when you work in a training setting, you know, whether it be a big spot, a big box gym, or within a collegiate or sports facility um, atmosphere, you're always going to be influenced, Definitely. you know, and you're always going to be influencing, you know, it's not just a one way um, river, you know, that river is going to flow upstream and downstream. Um, but again, I just think it's very important that, and well, I'll also say this, I think one of the critical importances to being influenced or swayed is not just knowing how to implement a program, but to understand why we are implementing something. And many times, in, most case, in, in a lot of cases, someone may not know why they're implementing it. And because they don't know why they're implementing it, they don't understand or know what the expected outcome of this particular training should be. So because they don't understand, they're very easily swayed to do something different because it looks different. It looks as if this individual may know something else that I may not know. So when you understand your training principles and you understand the foundation, 
that your principles are built on and you understand the outcome and the adaptations from the body that you're looking for, then I think it makes it easier to stand on your particular training methodologies. Absolutely. That's great. Where did you, you know, get introduced or where did you dive into your training principles? I'm kind of interested in that. So my training principles um, have come from a plethora of different resources. Um, so initially I was uh, a certified personal trainer through NASM. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, it, it gave me a very broad foundation. Um, however, once I moved here to the Atlanta area, I went to a hammer strength clinic and I had the pleasure of meeting what I would consider the most phenomenal uh, strength conditioning coach in the United States. And, and that's Mr. John Sisk over at Georgia State University. So he allowed me to come into his training facility, watch how he trains, see how he implements things. And it just opened my eyes to a completely different world. Um, so I'm, I'm currently over at Georgia State now as a um, student um, yeah. working on my degree in exercise science and uh, kinesiology. But also I am an avid reader. So my library um, in regards to training methodologies is very vast, whether it be, you know, the NSEA strength conditioning, whether it be, um, uh, the science of, of training, um, or, uh, Gary Brad Schofield's, um, hypertrophy, mm -hmm. um, whether it be, um, NSEA's, uh, book on nutrition, sports, sports nutrition. But I, you know, I, what I, what I, you know, for me, I do a lot of reading, but one of the things about when I'm reading the information, it's not just about reading the information. I always ask myself, what did I just take away from what I read? Mm -hmm. And how can I implement that within, you know, 24 to 48 hours so that I can actually see in real time the impact that, you know, what I read and how that impacted um, the application and how that actually impacted the results of my clients. So um, I am a forever student. See, that's, that's a I, great skill, I think, because, you know, I think there is this gap between acquiring information and turning it into knowledge. And, and what you just said there is your ability to actually take the information and implement it within your specific context. And that's, that's a second step in education that a lot of people fail to make or just don't know how to do. Um, so I think going through all life experiences, all information sources is the ability to discern the qualities within those and put it within your own context so you can use it appropriately. You know, if you read the book, this is a, just an example, like Triphasic Training by Cal D. Yes, I have that. Yeah, so like that's just such a fantastic training book. That's like my top three recommended books. However, 
you have to understand the context in which he works and he works with very high level athletes, right? So yes. if you have, you know, a Jim mother, is not gonna work. Yeah, yeah, like a father of two and you're like doing, you're running like the exact training program that he has in there, you're, you have the inability, like you're missing that gap between how you can extract the principles and general concepts and apply it with the actual people that you're working with. So that was a really great point that you made. Thank you so very much. Um, I think I think that uh, I'm lucky that I had the freedom to be able to do that. That's true. Yeah. You know, not everyone has the freedom to do that, depending on you know what their role is at at their particular um, place of employment. But I do want to pivot for one moment. So you 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 worked at a private facility previously and you you know you worked in a collegiate setting how did you transition from working as an employee to transitioning to um, entrepreneurship and what 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 was your driving force behind that and what were some of the challenges that you faced and how did you overcome those Oh, that, that's a great question. So I think I worked in three different complete unique environments within a very short time frame. So the collegiate setting, I was lucky enough to work at Northeastern University, which I think has one of the best programs in the, in the country. Um, and I worked with a few people who were just fantastic mentors in terms of training and um, making me such a better coach. And there's, to me, there's nothing, there's no better experience than having a group of enthusiastic athletes in front of you where, you know, you don't have to make them want to train. It's almost like you have to pull them back in some ways because they're yes. just enthusiastic and effort and full of effort. Uh, so that was just an extremely important, like piece of my journey in terms of becoming the coach that I am. Um, but at some level, um, we, you know, you wanted to talk a lot about like who I am as a person. And, and one of the things that I think I was very conscious of is outside of my job and how I make money to support myself, what kind of lifestyle do I want to live? What kind of person do I want to become? And then it's creating a job that can work well within that and support that. And, you know, I love the collegiate setting, but working 14 hours a day traveling and just having kind of a lot of downtime between training sessions wasn't really the lifestyle and the pay. It wasn't really like the lifestyle that I wanted to, to live. So I, I, um, I wasn't actively looking for jobs. I was presented with an opportunity. I moved into the private sector and it, it was very unique. You know, you had to go out and get your own clients, which I'd never done before. Um, and I think that's a skill we're not really prepared for um, with, you know, certifications and academia. Uh, they don't teach us how to do that. So that was a unique learning experience. And then also dealing with general population clients instead of high level athletes. Um, but, you know, you're still working like under someone, under someone else's beliefs. And, you know, I decided that you know, I am capable of creating something on my own. So now I, you know, am my own boss, which I am enjoying uh, tremendously. Um, I've learned a lot of skills about going out and get 
getting clients. Um, and I'm, I'm really enjoying um, kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion, right now. Thank you. Um, staying right in that lane. So one of the things that you spoke of is, is how once you move from the collegiate setting and moved into the private sector of having to now um, go get your own client as opposed to having, you know, athletes mm -hmm. that you're in charge of. Um, I think that one of the things that in our field that's missing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that we really, for lack of better words, we chase the certifications. What's the next certification? What's the next piece of paper I can get in regards to training methodologies and something within that space? But we miss the business part of it, the running the actual business, you know, the marketing courses, the economics courses, the sales courses, um, the finance courses, you know, how many coaches know what a KPI is, you know, or how many coaches know that if they're running a private business, how many clients do I need to service today in order to keep my doors open? How many phone calls do I need to, to get to, to get to my first yes? Um, would you, would you agree with that? Um, 100%. <laughs> um, and I think there's a huge difference between I think a lot of people view success as owning their own brick and mortar, but honestly, without doing that, you know, I'm reducing overhead and, you know, I'm just renting space from a, a local gym right now, but this experience has forced me to completely change my avenue of education in relation to fitness, physiology, biomechanics, to now learning about marketing, sales, interpersonal communication, finances. And to be a successful trainer in the private sector, you really need um, information on that and knowledge on that. And if you look at a lot of successful businesses, such as like Eric Cressy or Cressy Performance and Mike Boyle, they, they have someone kind of behind the scenes as like a second person who worries about all that stuff. And that's like their role. And that's, I think, a lot of like the success of those individuals. Um, during COVID, I actually reached out to someone who's been extremely influential on me named Beverly Simpson. And she helped me uh, with marketing. She helped me with my website. Um, she helped me in terms of thinking about what message I was trying to convey and being able to really communicate my principles to uh, the people who I want to target and not in the language that I understand, in the language that they understand and what they want. Um, and that was something that I really was never taught in terms of writing skills um, in the educational background, but I really do think we don't need more certifications. Um, I think we need more education to show us how to grow as an industry and business. I, I agree 100%. So you spoke of your principles. What, what are the MBT principles of your training methodology? What, so I, I've heard it said before, you know your stuff when you're able to explain it to a kindergartner. <laughs> So, That's awesome. 
So, so, so when we say, you know, the MBT training, what, yeah. what is the principles in which that is based upon? That's awesome. So um, one of my principles is growth um, is, is hard work, excuse me, includes exposure to various types of hard work. So I think we think of hard work as solely as physical when there's many different types of quote unquote hard work. So I think perspective is a type of hard work. Um, awareness in terms of, you know, do you have good body awareness? You know, I'm, I'm very physical based. That's kind of like my role, but can you find and feel your abs? Can you find and feel um, the back of your thighs, your hamstring, kind of those types of things where you become aware of your body sensations. That's also hard work. But then there's also the type of hard work that we are typically associate in our fitness industry as, you know, being challenged and physically overcoming something that's a struggle for you. Um, and then also appreciating that, you know, the other 23 hours of the day that you're not in the gym are affecting, you know, those results equally. Um, and then in terms of physical aspects, uh, athletic skill acquisition is the ability to transition from leg to leg. And that's an overarching concept that means I should learn how to transition my weight front to back. I should learn how to transition my weight side to side. So that can be frontal plane mechanics, transverse plane, and then definitely sagittal plane, um, which is kind of hammered home in our, our fitness industry. But I basically am saying that in order to, you know, change direction on the field for an athlete or to be able to move vertically up and down for maybe a general population client, these are skills that I have to learn and then I can add challenge to them. I can add resistance to them, uh, but they're skills first. And I also have another principle that's associated with skill acquisition in terms of performance, tra performance training is coordination with resistance. So that's basically, I wanna teach you things first and I'm going to probably add resistance to the things in order for you to learn them. Um, so that's kind of how I think of resistance exercise and not just, oh, I'm going to put weight on you just to put weight on you. Like, what, what do I want you to learn? And a good way to be able to do that is, is doing it through added resistance. And then the last one, I won't bore you too much, is just the focus on how proximal structures, so your rib cage mechanics and your pelvis mechanics, can influence distal movement. So, you know, the way my pelvis is positioned can influence the way my knee moves or my ankle moves. Um, my rib cage can influence how my shoulder moves, how my elbow moves. Um, so in a lot of my trainings, I have people focus on rib, rib cage mechanics when we're doing like a overhead press or horizontal press. Um, so those you know, are a few of my, my training principles. I hear a lot of biomechanics. I think David Alexander <laughs> down at uh, DBC would be very proud of you. <laughs> thanks, thanks. So I want to honor our time, but I just have another two or three questions for you real yeah, quick. Yeah, of course. Um, you spoke of a lot of, of having a lot of mentors in your career and, and throughout the course of your career. Um, who are three mentors that have had, that you feel have had the greatest influence on you and impact? 
that still influence how you approach your day-to-day training or interactions uh, with your clientele? That, that's a fantastic question. So I would say a huge mentor that influenced me as a person, but mostly as a coach and how I think about fitness and exercise is Dr. Pat Davison. He's a personal trainer at Hype Gym in New York City. Uh, highly recommend looking him up. He has a book called Rethinking the Big Patterns as well. And he talks a lot about his training principles, how he categorizes exercises. And it's very different from maybe the collegiate environment or education I really received in academia. Um, He's fantastic. I think as a person, um, Dr. Seth Oberst and Kyle Dobbs, um, I've had really great conversations with them who it made me really think about maybe the types of qualities of character that I want and how to be able to get there um, and just good people in general. And then maybe Beverly Simpson, who I mentioned before, she's had a huge impact on me as a business person and how I can handle and really spend time you know, taking care of what I want in the future and, and how to get there. Thank you. So we have Beverly Simpson, Carl Dobbs, um, Pat Davidson, and Seth. Yes, Seth Oberst. Oberst. So he's a very unique individual. He's um, he's a physical therapist, but he does a lot of uh, somatic um, therapy interventions, and he's just a very unique individual. Got it. And. <laughs> What are three books that you would recommend uh, any trainer read, whether it be training methodologies, whether it be entrepreneurship, whether it be personal development? What are three books that you feel have had the greatest input uh, influence on you um, that you would recommend for someone to read? That's a great, great question. Uh, I always recommend Joel Jameson's MMA Strength and Conditioning to people. It gives great, incredible information about conditioning and um, great implementation strategies as well. And then, like I said, triphasic training by Cal Dietz and Ben Peterson. Uh, I think that just gives great overall ideas about programming and concepts to use while training. And then I would definitely recommend Pat Davison's book called Rethinking the Big Patterns. And you can find that at Resilience Periodization. Okay, thank you. And um, lastly, um, bear with me just one moment. Mm-hmm. Where can our, our, our viewers find you at on social media or on the internet? Absolutely. So you can go to my website. It's michellebolin-training.com. Um, you can see the complete coaches courses that I have there. So, um, you know, They've meant a lot to me in terms of development, and I've got a lot of good feedback on them. And also on social media at dr.michelleboland. And I put a lot of content up there and continuously try to update the information that I put out. Thank you. And here is your challenge for the day. Who are three guests that you would like to see on our show? 
that you are willing to help facilitate make happen? All right, I got you. So we'll get um, Tim Richard on, who's a physical therapist, and he's he's very unique. He has his own business, um, and he works with a lot of climbing clients, which I think would be interesting to talk to. Uh, he also does strength and conditioning as well. And then, oh man, oh, put me on the spot here, killing Pat me. Davidson. Pat Davidson, yeah. <laughs> you, you can definitely try that one for sure. And then maybe Beverly Simpson, not to mention her name three times now, but uh, I think she would be a good one because she would give you a lot of marketing and sales kind of advice for uh, trainers, trainers in the private sector. Thank you. And our last question of our show is, what's next for Dr. Michelle Boland? <laughs> That's a great question. So I eventually want to turn my online course that I have into an in-person seminar. And of course, like how do you separate yourself and why do you think you're different than information that you, know, you can get at any certification or seminar? And what I really want to do is instead of just giving you more information about training fitness programming, I really want to show you how to take all of your valuable knowledge and experiences and create your own training principles that you can use within a system that is going to reduce time. It's going to increase efficiency for you. It's going to allow you to use it when you communicate with others about what you do and it's going to get people results that you work with so turning all of your knowledge into programs and systems that will bring your clients physical results then i also have a program online training program called endure and repeat and i'm actually working right now to turn it into a book so i'm pretty much challenging myself to be like why am I doing this? Here's the programming and explaining it in every detail I can possibly give about my rationale um, of how I progress things, why I'm choosing specific exercises, um, why I give certain options with different exercises. And so it's kind of like an exercise for me to be like, hey, can I rationalize every single thing I do? And then it's also going to hopefully help other trainers in, you know, giving them um, more information about programming and how they can structure their own. Thank you so very much. I love that. Um, if it's one common thing that I would say that I would take away from our conversation is that, um, Dr. Boland, is that you are really trying to pour into the training community not in regards to the client as in regards to your everyday uh, client, but more into the professional development of the trainers so that we can provide a better experience for our clients and get them the results that they're looking for. Um, do you have any parting words uh, for our guests? No, I mean, I think I'm just really excited to where the fitness industry is going. And like you said, I've just been so influenced by other people and my own experiences that I really want to share to help other trainers succeed. I think that's something that I'm excited to, to see out there because, you know, I think there's a lot of people, maybe influencers and mentors and people who run their own mentorship groups that 
get offended when the people that they work with succeed. And I think I really want to do the opposite and, and get as many trainers um, to make a living in what they do and really enjoy it. I always say it, a house on a hill with no neighbors is real lonely. Well, I love that. <laughs> so I'd like to thank you very much for your time, um, Dr. Boland. And this is Coach Lay with Magic Athletic Training. Please make sure to check us out on YouTube or any of your podcast streaming platforms, um, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google, you know where to find us. This is Coach Lay saying, we out.